0: We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The SPARC is also supported by UPMC McGee Women's. Understanding women's unique health care needs, physicians, nurses, and support staff help you stay healthy. Visit upmc.com slash central PA women. The United States has had an all-volunteer, all-voluntary military since American combat operations ended in Vietnam in 1973. Today, only 6% of Americans serve or have served in the military. The Army, Navy, and Air Force are not meeting their recruitment goals by a lot, and neither are the Pennsylvania National Guard and the Pennsylvania Air National Guard. In fact, the U.S. Department of Defense reports recruiting is at its worst in 50 years. Why aren't more American men and women joining up? What can be done to recruit more people into the military? Does it put the nation's security at risk? Today on The Spark, we speak with Steve Doster, Pennsylvania State Director for Mission Readiness. Steve Doster, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. First
0: of all, tell us a little bit about the Mission Readiness.
1: Sure. Mission Readiness is an organization of retired generals and admirals that are concerned about the high percentage of young people that are ineligible for military service. We're looking at that 17 to 24 age cohort, that is the recruitable age population, and the latest data shows that 77% are not eligible for military service, and there's three underlying conditions there. It's obesity or other health-related issue. It's a criminal record, which often manifests itself in a drug offense, or they don't score highly enough on the military entrance exam to warrant placement in in one of the branches of service. Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to talk about how you overcome all those things. I want to start, though, with kind of a positive. Why do people join the military?
1: Well, you know, I think what, you know, we have members in mission readiness where. Uh, the, the 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 some are grandfathers now that served as a as a flag officer and the the sons and daughters were in uh, have enlisted in the military and achieved high ranks and now the grandchildren so for some it's a family tradition for others it's a sense of patriotism but I think the numbers that you're seeing today is just in terms of the recruiting challenge and the difficulty recruiting those numbers is really about the competitiveness that is our overall workforce
0: give us some ideas yeah, those numbers.
1: yeah, so, you know, workforce competition is something that business leaders have been talking about for a long time, and especially since the close of the pandemic the us chamber of commerce this year said that there's currently 340,000 job openings in pennsylvania with only 82 available workers for every 100 open jobs so you know when when you're dealing with the private sector has that much gaps people can ste- easily step into jobs where it it doesn't impact family life it doesn't put them in harm's way so the military is is very challenged to overcome that competition but this has always been the ebb and flood of military recruiting. When the economy is hot, the military suffers. When the economy cools, more people look to the military as a, as a profession.
0: You know, just as an aside, that actually has been a criticism over the years in that those who are living in poverty or can't get a good job don't have a great education because they can't afford it take go to the military Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of and you heard this during Vietnam that the poorest people end up fighting the wars
1: yeah and you know there there's a there's a There's a a bonus to that. Uh, Our members, our generals and admirals will talk about, you know, the military is a place to learn and to grow and and come out with the GI benefit, which lets you go to college for free and step into a private sector career. But the challenge is getting there in the first place. And if 77% of youth are not eligible to go there, that training opportunity is lacking for them, and it threatens our overall national security.
0: Let's take a step back and talk about the numbers, Mm -hmm. the recruiting numbers, and how far they are down.
1: Yeah. So as you said in in the intro, the Army, Navy, and Air Force all missed their 2023 recruiting uh, goal uh, by more than 20,000 enlistees. Uh, The Space Force and the Marine Corps—they met their goals, and that's not surprising. The Marine Corps has always done well in recruiting; it is the elite branch. Many people are drawn to the Marine Corps. It's probably some effective marketing as well. The Space Force, being the newest arm of the of the military, it, its recruiting challenge is very small. The Coast Guard is even in more of a dire condition, and actually, the report that we did—this uh, this is came out since the report was published, but the Coast Guard uh, fell short of it's currently operating at a 10% deficit of its entire enlisted workforce. And what that has mean or what that means for their 2024 operations plan is they had to remove 10 cutters from service and they had to close 29 boat stations in response to this deficit of, of manpower. So I think what you're seeing there already is the tip of the iceberg of if you don't get the men and women that you need, it's going to have a real impact and imagine you know imagine you're out in the ocean and you have engine trouble and all of a sudden the closest coast guard station is now double the distance that it was before. That mm. has a real impact on American security and safety.
0: And the Pen- Pennsylvania National Guard and Pennsylvania Air National Guard also not meeting recruiting goals, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, I, I worked with uh, the PA National Guard and they provided with me with information for the report that shows the Army National Guard missed its recruiting challenge by 25% in 2023 and the Air National Guard missed its recruiting challenge by 45%. So again, real numbers here.
0: Mm. So what are the... Re- okay, now you mention those who qualify, that 75... Am I right with that That statistic? 77% don't qualify? Yes. Okay, that sounds like a, a tremendous challenge, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But are there reasons given for those who are in that 17 to 24 age group, the reasons given... What what do they say about why they don't join?
1: Well, you know, again, I think it's back to they have a lot of options. You know, it's it's when you look at the, the military, the military does not make millionaires. You know, it, it we do not pay our men and women in uniform uh, enough. So when they're looking at a workforce, they're they're gauging salary, they're gauging family life, they're gauging, um, you know, they're gauging safety and personal security. And I think all of those things factor in. And I think, um, you know, we heard from lawmakers when we released our report in the Capitol a few weeks ago that not only do we have to address the underlying readiness concerns of youth, but we also have to do a better job of promoting military service as a patriotic duty. And I think a lot of I think a lot of people would agree with that.
0: A survey taken, and this was the Department of Defense, uh, was involved in this. Top ten reasons why youth said uh, that they would not consider joining the U.S. military. Number one was possibility of physical injury or death, mm-hmm. possibility of PTSD or other emotional f- psychological issues, leaving family and friends, other career interests, dislike of military lifestyle, too long of a commitment, possibility of interference with college education, required to live in places I don't want to live in, don't believe I would qualify, possibility of sexual harassment and assault. Now, a couple things there that I wanted to bring up, numbered, and that was as they were ranked. Possibility of PTSD or other emotionally psychological issues has gotten a lot of attention. Does that attention translate into fewer people being interested, saying, oh, look what happened to those who were in the Gulf War, fought in Afghanistan or Iraq, or maybe didn't uh, see combat at all. But are suffering years later.
1: Yeah. In my conversations with the Pennsylvania National Guard, this did come up. You know, the, the news reports about injury and 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 PTSD, that certainly weighs on the minds of individuals. And I, I'm I'm not sure how you overcome that, um, but I think it certainly speaks to the need. Uh, for our systems supporting veterans after they 're done with their services, be it through the VA or the p a National Guard, to treat those conditions they 're real tr- tr- they 're real conditions uh, they impact way too many people, and I think we need to do a better job at treating them and then hopefully get that news out there that that you know if you give your life, if to service like this, that you are you are cared for on the back end
0: sexual harassment as number ten. Again, an issue that has gotten a lot of attention, but, I mean, is this something that the military recognizes is a reason that uh, women especially uh, may not be apt to join?
1: You know, that has not come up in my conversations, but I know I see the same headlines that you do that are disturbing and concerning. Uh, and I do know um, that, you know, from what I have saw in the news, that many, many commanders, many military bases take these charges seriously and and they hold people accountable. So hopefully that is done on a larger scale and this becomes less of an issue that all people, regardless of gender, regardless of sexual orientation, that they feel comfortable serving in their military.
0: Let's talk about your report. What's the name of the report, by the way?
1: Yeah, we took a little bit of a play on the 1980s Army recruiting slogan. And we called it. We need all that they can be, and really, that speaks to the underlying premise here. With the workforce shortages that we're seeing across all sectors, we have a we have a workforce that's diminishing in in size because of the silver tsunami and the baby boomers going into retirement, uh, the low interest in military service, and then those skills and eligibility gaps. We need to ensure that as many of our youth are fully eligible for whatever they want to do in life, whether it's military service, college, career, they need to be skilled up. So.
0: Where did the idea for the report come from?
1: Yeah, it, it's really, you know, as I said off the top, you've seen a lot of uh, chambers of commerce, a lot of business leaders talking about workforce skills gaps. And we really wanted to drive home that it's not just, you know, it's not just the, the sheets and the, and the Walmarts and other, other places that are struggling to find people. It's the military. And, it, you know, there's economic security concerns on the private sector side, but there's national security concerns. on on our side here. And, you know, that's why mission readiness has always been about promoting public solutions and public investments that get to the health and education of our next generation.
0: So if you read between the lines of what you're saying, a lot of these things are tied together. Mm -hmm. Education, funding, money for education. Just a whole lot of things. Talk about that, if you will.
1: Yeah. So, you know, here in Pennsylvania, education has been in the news. Everything from early childhood education all the way up through our current uh, lawsuits and deliberations around K-12 funding. Um, Early childhood education has been... Uh, heavily supported by both Republican and Democratic administrations, the research is sound that kids uh, who are in high-quality early education, they are they go to kindergarten ready to learn. They're more likely to be engaged throughout school, less likely to repeat grades, and more likely to succeed at whatever they decide to do after school. We have uh, pushed for more kids being eligible in our state-funded early care and education line items like uh, pre-K counts and Head Start Supplemental. We still have 87,000 kids in Pennsylvania who are eligible for those programs who don't have access. So we'd like to see the state you know, deliver on more access. But the other thing, you know, early childhood and teachers overall are having their own workforce crisis there's not enough teachers. And especially in early childhood, it's hard to get the teachers that you need because they're paid a fraction of what their K through 12 counterparts are. So we're we're, we're trying to get the General Assembly and the governor's office to pay attention to uh, ways to boost that or, or deliver on that problem. You know, recruitment and retention of, of our early childhood professionals is is that's the backbone. If, if we don't have the teacher the system falls apart. So uh, that's really what we're pushing for there. We're taking the leads from other states, you know, states like Tennessee and Florida uh, and and Nevada and New Mexico. They have invested heavily in their early childhood workforce for years. So we're pulling on some of those models for the for the Commonwealth to consider. K to 12, you know you you have huge disparities across the the state in terms of school districts and what educational opportunities are for children uh, the highest, the most wealthy 20% of school districts spend on average $5,000 more per child than our poorest districts. And what does that result in? It results in test scores being superior in those wealthy districts, graduation rates being 20% higher in those wealthy districts than they are in the poorest districts. So, you know, we are in full support of making sure that all schools and all kids have equal educational opportunity regardless of zip code. So
0: how does that relate to military recruitment?
1: Well, you know, look, K through 12, our our pre-K through 12 system, that's our feeder system into the workforce. 80 to 90% of young people in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania go to brick and mortar traditional public schools. That is where they learn their skill sets and, and that's where they learn how to do what comes next. Everything from the hard skills and, and the soft skills in terms of, of, you know, interactions with people and learning how to communicate. So if we don't fund our, our core pipeline that is public education, we're left with the result where's your funding come from so we are a 501c3 we are philanthropically funded uh, by individuals and foundations um, that that have a similar uh, purpose uh, major funders of, of mission readiness has always been uh, the William Penn Foundation and and Vanguard charitable um, their strong start for kids program Grable Foundation in Pittsburgh Heinz endowments these are all entities that have an interest in creating an environment in Pennsylvania where kids Families thrive.
0: So, is your priority military recruitment or education?
1: It's both. It's both because without the investment in education, the other thing suffers the military recruitment suffers and what we have is a motivated group of generals and admirals that see that connection you know these generals and admirals they could sit on corporate boards and make a lot more money than they do volunteering with me but they see if we don't invest in the human capital on the front end we are going to have serious challenges and and national national security concerns on the back end
0: looking at education qualifications for all the branches of service mm-hmm. High school graduates or GED—that's hmm. the the bottom line there. Yep. So that would seem to mean that most people would qualify when it comes to education. But there's other things that you mentioned. obesity, of uh, be not being able to pass a drug test, of mm-hmm. uh, being involved in the criminal justice system. Seventy-seven percent of people who don't qualify. How do you get those people to qualify? And that doesn't say a lot about the, our country.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the obesity side, obesity is the leading reason uh, why people are ineligible for military service, the, lingual, the, the single largest reason. So, you know, you need to look at what are our systems of, of hunger and nutrition in in the United States. And we look at the farm bill that's currently sort of on autopilot in it's the Congress. It's been
0: renewed for a year. For yeah. a year. And, yeah. and
1: they'll take it up in September of, of 2024. But you know, ironically, it, it's malnutrition is often the leading cause of obesity in this country, and it's it's young people eating the wrong foods. So, and and obesity is more prevalent among children who grow up and live in in poverty. So, you know, looking at those public programs like the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and and what what foods are available to them and what education opportunities are available to them. You know, the other challenge here is we live in an inflationary environment with food prices at the same time that we rolled back SNAP benefits after the pandemic. Remember that they were increased during the pandemic years, but now that's been rolled back. So they don't go as far as they used to. So you often you often see people buying the, the calorie-dense food and not as much of fresh fruits and vegetables that they need
0: mm. and that directly relates to people not being able to uh, qualify for the military
1: obesity is calories in calories out so we need to make sure that our kids are doing a better job eating the right foods and have opportunities to exercise that's why we were heavy proponents a few years ago to ensure that physical education is still in the core curriculum as it relates to national education standards
0: there have been some who would say well OK, if we have this a numbers program when it comes to recruitment, maybe we should uh, value quantity more over quality. What do you say to that?
1: You know, it's an interesting debate. And uh, my members are are kind of split on that, you know, that you're, you're going back to the draft kind of model versus the all-volunteer force. I think one of the strongest arguments for an all-volunteer military is the fact that it's a much more efficient and manageable force. And that's what our generals and admirals say, that the all-volunteer force doesn't have some of the problems that the draft force had in Vietnam.
0: Quickly, uh, because we only have a minute or so left, there was a retired general who lived here in central Pennsylvania that uh, was very outspoken that we should bring draft back, whether it was in the same form as it was in the 60s during Vietnam. What would you say to that?
1: Well, I, you know, look, um, I respect all opinions when it comes to general and flag officers. I would just say, in response to that, I know a lot of other general and flag officers that say the all volunteer force is the is the key is the key to um, America's military superiority.
0: Bottom line is, uh, America's security at risk.
1: You know, look, uh, we still have the best uh, military force in the world. Um, I think we have some challenges to overcome, um, but I, my members, my members uh, don't come at it that this is a a risk that we need to stay up at night, but it's something that we have to solve. And you know, the role of the general or an admiral is to look to the future, and that's what my members do. Steve Doster
0: is Pennsylvania State Director of Mission Readiness. Thank you very much for being with us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Scott.